0: When it comes to the three states of matter, solids, liquids, and gases, all right, um, there's definitely differences. And we've talked about this off and on since the beginning of Chem 221. The kinetic molecular theory basically says that solids are very close to each other. Liquids, there is an attraction between them, but of course it's not as intense as solids. And then gases basically have no um, interactions between each other at all. And every time you wish to turn a solid into a liquid, it's going to take heat and in our world of course that means that it's an endothermic process and the same thing if you wish to turn a liquid into a gas you also have to add heat you can also reduce the pressure it's true but most of the time it's adding heat and stuff now the opposite process going from gas to liquid liquid to solid usually is done through cooling so those kind of processes and stuff if you cool it down that means that energy is being released and that's kind of interesting so one thing I want to point out right away here is that every time you go solids to liquids liquids to gases it's going to be an endothermic process you need to add heat on the opposite every time you go gas to liquid liquid to solid actually you get energy out and it's exothermic and that's why you have to cool things down a little bit all of these phases though are the same material and we talked about this a little bit in the last in the last uh, section if those little purple dots represent water Then the crystalline solid on the far right would be ice, solid water. Of course, liquid would be liquid water. And on the far left, you would have gaseous water or vapor. But they're all H2O. The difference between the phases is nothing more than the interaction between the particles, the molecules that are interacting. So that's what we're going to focus on, like what makes the solids so strong, what makes gases basically have none, and how to interconvert the two of them together. Sometimes you hear the term condensed phases used for solids and liquids. If you remember, even since Chem 221, the density of liquids and solids, um, usually uh, solids go up to like about 20 grams per centimeter cube, some of them a tiny bit more than that on the periodic table. Liquids usually uh, one gram per minute Liter is the density of water. Sometimes you can get down to smaller densities for liquids. But both of those density ranges are a lot greater than the density for gases. We saw the densities for gases are usually represented in grams per liter, so a lot less mass per volume, if you will. So condensed phases just means you have the molecules tighter together. That's all it means. The punchline of why these phases are different and what's going on is intermolecular forces, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit when it comes down to solids versus liquids versus gases, there's two things we have to really think about to understand why some compounds are more likely a solid, say at room temperature, than a gas. And it really comes down to the kinetic energy of the particles, like how much energy is inside each one of them. And it also comes down to the strength of the attraction between the particles. So like we said, solids are a little tighter, they're held on a little closer to each other, and gases basically have... Have no interactions with each other, all right? And that is going to be the intermolecular forces. Temperature is a big time component because temperature will definitely increase the kinetic energy of the particles and it will tend to uh, break up the strength as you raise the temperature. And of course, lowering the temperature would be the opposite. So the strength of the attraction versus kinetic energy of the particles, which is basically a temperature phenomena, becomes really important. So an intermolecular force is a different kind of a force than we've talked about so far. We've talked about a lot of Intra molecular forces. Ionic bonds, covalent bonds, even the metallic bonds we talked about, all of those are intra molecular. Intra molecular means inside the molecule, all right? And those bonds, those types of forces are very, very strong. But what we're going to talk about mostly in this chapter are intermolecular forces. And intermolecular forces are the forces between two molecules. So these forces are generally not as strong as the intramolecular forces but oh are they important because these are the attractions that keep the molecules together intermolecular forces are not chemical bonds all right intermolecular forces are just helpful guides to keep uh, molecules together when we wouldn't maybe expect them to be Um, and again they're nowhere near as strong as intramolecular the ionic covalent metallic So this is a new type of force, all right? We haven't talked about these so far and uh, you're gonna see that they're pretty important. So earlier we talked about how there's basically uh, a competition between the kinetic energy of the molecule and the attractive forces between the molecules. And let's call the attractive forces for what they are. They're intermolecular forces. So you can see here we've got a solid, a liquid, and a gas. And the EK there at the top, which stands for uh, kinetic energy. Solids have the lowest kinetic energy. All right, there's not a lot of movement like holding them around. Then liquids have more kinetic energy, more movement, more variability, if you will, and gases have by far the highest kinetic energy. They're just all over the place. Now contrast that with below, it says the intermolecular attraction. These are the forces now between the molecules. Solids have the highest IM forces by far. Liquids are then in the middle and gases have no or low intermolecular forces. This last Part here on the bottom is kind of important and I want to highlight it. We're going to assume in Chem 222 and Chem 223 that gases have no intermolecular forces working on them, and that's a fairly good assumption. It's not totally perfect to be honest, but it works really well for this class. If you go past Chem 223 and you talk about intermolecular forces, gases do have those forces working on them, but they're usually a lot, lot, lot less than liquids and solids. But again, we're going to assume gases have no no intermolecular forces, solids have the strongest intermolecular forces, and liquids are in between. So going back to the picture we showed earlier, the intermolecular force, and by the way, it's an intermolecular force between two HCl bonds. These intermolecular forces can be used in a lot of different ways. They will help us to understand differences in boiling and melting points. They'll help us to understand the process of vapor pressure, which is useful for when you turn liquids into gases, as an example, and even things like viscosities, the resistance to flow. And in the companion and on Line, there is a handout called the Intermolecular Forces Guide, the IM Forces Guide, and I do recommend you check it out. The IM Forces Guide has all the names of the different intermolecular forces we're going to run into, and it's done in a flowchart, so you can kind of go through and see uh, from the flowchart which force you have, and we'll talk about more about this here in a little bit the first of the intermolecular forces we're going to look at is what's called the ion dipole intermolecular force and if you look at the name ion dipole this is the force between molecules where one molecule is an ion .ie it has a positive or a negative charge and the other molecule has a dipole and dipole if you remember from um, previous sections dipole is nothing more than something that's polar all right and that's the first big clue I want to give everybody. If you see the term dipole in this class, or in this section I guess more importantly, uh, dipole means that something is polar. So you've got something with a charge, it's an ion, and something that's polar, it's got a dipole, ion-dipole force. So an example of the ion-dipole force is up there in the upper left hand corner. That's a sodium ion, an Na+, it's got a charge. You've got water, which is very, very polar, like we talked about before. And we also talked about how water has a slightly negative side and a slightly positive side. And those little delta symbols there on the top, delta minus, delta plus, they represent approximately where those partial charges are. So the partial negative side of water is attracted to the positive ion on the sodium ion, and this is called the ion dipole force. In Chem 221, we talked about hydrated um, systems. where water will basically surround an ion and pull it away from the ionic lattice these hydrated ions are the result of the ion dipole force and this is no small feat because it's difficult to pull the ions away from the uh, bulk ionic compound and you can see uh, here's the positive ions in this little picture the positive ion in the middle is being attracted to the negative side of water which is basically the oxygen pulling that cation away and over on the right then here's the anion anion is negative it's being attracted by the positive dipoles on water which is essentially the hydrogens also being pulled away from the ionic lattice when a gas phase sodium ion enters water it becomes surrounded by water molecules or hydrated the ion water connection results from ion dipole forces indicated by a dotted line It is difficult to determine the number of water molecules around a hydrated ion, but six is a good estimate for most cations. They feel that generally six water molecules are needed to surround an ion to pull it away from the ionic lattice, and there's scientists that do a lot of studies with this, believe it or not. But anyway, for our purposes, just realize that ion dipole results when you have something polar, usually water, but not necessarily anything polar would work, Um, basically pulling on, if you will, an ion, and the ion can be a positive cation, like sodium, but it can also be a negative ion, like chloride we saw a little bit ago. Ion dipole is really important. Um, Again, it pulls the cations and anions away from the lattice, and usually there's about six molecules per uh, cation or anion, and that's fine. Um, In a personal note, uh, I really like the colors of metal ions. That's one of the reasons why I think I became an inorganic chemist, a person that studies metals. And you can see there's a picture with iron, cobalt, nickel, and copper. The colors of these solutions are really, fantastic and those are all due to water molecules surrounding the metal and pulling it away from whatever anion it was so all right ion dipole force my favorite ion force now i'm just joking i don't know if it is or not but it is the it is what results in the cool colors that are the hallmark of transition metals and we'll talk more about those uh, in chem 223 as well so to sum this all up ion dipole is the first of our ion forces and if you hear ion dipole That's the interaction between something with an ionic charge, something positive or negative, and something with a dipole, something that's polar, like water is a common example, but it could also be like acetone, ethanol, anything that's polar.